millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, as always, we had a bit of a conversation. You got involved. Yes. Martin Kellner brought us his week of sport on TV. Uh, we also had... Um, NFL doctor. Yeah, very interesting. Not just a doctor. Dr. Alan Seals, the NFL chief medical officer, was in town for the game at the weekend at uh, the Tottenham Stadium and was very interesting. There was an incident yesterday in the NFL, which he commented on, so you'll hear that. And, um, yeah, Mike Ward as well will be joining yeah. us. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Oh, good afternoon, Paul. And... Uh, I start with a man in India. I, love that. I sound like I the news. a man in a India. A man in India yeah. needed hospital treatment after eating 63 metal spoons. Wow, no. It was fine till he walked past Yuri Geller. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't have been easy, would it? No, Not that's ideal, true. Not really. Okay. Yeah, that's a tremendous thing, that. Yang Ching Chan, the, man, the man's name. Yeah. And I thought, well, no, he can't have taught his goldfish to play football. That's got to be nonsense. Yeah. But I looked it up on TikTok. And it's fantastic. Yeah. They're great on a waterlogged pitch. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Could it, it takes a stud. Could it, um, could it have been sort of staged? Could it have been Codded. Cheap? Could it have codded up? Yeah, could it have been codded up? Very much The so. footage you've seen, it looked authentic, did it? It looked like it looked the fish were playing football. Yeah, it did, okay, actually. what about so, that? Yeah, so there you go. go on, look, we may oh. get... A, look, to be honest, we're trying to track down... We've left our production team to track down a boffin yeah. who might be able to shed some light on... Um, be great if we can. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Bakary Sanya was talking about the uh, Manchester derby this weekend. Mm. And, uh, you know, they always put at the bottom sort of... North it, London or Manchester? No, uh, Manchester derby. Oh, OK, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, he could have talked about both. Yeah, I he could, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, this was particularly the Manchester mm. derby. It said, um, Bakary Sanya was discussing the club season with Lord Ping. You think... It's quite a posh bloke for a TV. It's a company, but it doesn't sound, oh, like, okay, doesn't yeah. sound like Bakery met the House of Lords. I think we should have more members of the aristocracy <laughs> talking football. <laughs> we get Lord in? Ping on. <clears throat> now, last night, yeah. I went to see my good friend, your good friend too, Alan Fletcher. Dr. Carl Dr. from, Carl from the late uh, Lamented Neighbours. Yeah. yeah, and in his show, and I, funny enough, I, uh, Alan, Alan invited me down there and yeah. I, I was great and I was expecting an evening of songs I thought it was going to be a, a musical night right okay. but it wasn't it was Alan and his wife on stage yeah going through Alan's 
career. It was really mm. good fun, actually. A yeah. lot of pre-neighbour stuff, a lot of neighbour stuff and all that. And uh, <clears throat> and, and we, I met Alan's tour manager. He's a massive... I've got to say hello to him. He's a massive fan of the show. Oh, wow. Richard Pullen and oh, good afternoon, Richard. Yeah. And Marie, they loved the show. And wow. uh, and basically, his wife was in charge of Alan's merchandise. And it was all at the back. I got a mug, an Alan Fletcher mug. And Tremendous. A 2023 Carlander. You see actually what they've done there? Carlander, yeah, with a K, yeah. yeah. So I got home and I thought... We should do a show like that. I could see us doing. I could see John selling the merchandise at the Not back. Not without wives. That'd be a bit no, weird. No. Okay, for you us. and me on stage. John at the back with the table with all the merchandise on it. Yeah. Now I'm sure he's got better things to do. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Like you'll do that. Like you'll give up perfectly. Well, when I mentioned, yeah, we'll you, a couple when of I mentioned him this morning, he thought, he thought it was a good idea. Okay. So what should we have on the table? We'll get like an old pasting table and then just sort of stick a blanket over it. Very low tech. Very low tech. Yeah. So I thought the listeners could suggest what. What artefacts we could sell on the H and J tour? Artefacts, well, like T-shirts, but obviously, what what sort of slogans and should we have mugs? Wow. I don't know. This is an idea. I'll probably get no you're working, response. You're working it. on the basis of people <laughs> who actually care about something like this. Well, so, okay, I know Richard Pullen will be writing. Well, okay, I'm sure he'd cares. come along and buy a T-shirt. So that's at least one T-shirt we've sold. <laughs> I could see us mass- massively overordering. Um, yes. I don't think that won't be the first time in my business career. No, that's <laughs> very true. Going yeah. under the hammer, mm. Andy, uh, this week, and and. Expected to fetch up to two and a half, uh, two thousand five hundred pounds. No, not two thousand five, two hundred and fifty thousand um, pounds. There's a, a, a BAFTA auction in Piccadilly. Really, Darth Vader's gloves from Star Wars. Wow, they don't seem that iconic. I mean, could you, if you close your eyes? I mean, only if Rob Stokes will buy them for his yeah. <laughs> goalkeeping. <laughs> could, well, could you wear those as goalkeeping? They're quite long. <laughs> they're more like gauntlets, aren't they? They are. Really. Well, there was one particular game where um, Stephen Slade, who was a young player who played for uh, Tottenham, Tottenham yeah, and for QPR. Once played in a game. Oh, he wore and long gloves. He wore like opera gloves. No, I remember that. He went, you know, cold hands. You players wear gloves marvelous. all the time. But didn't he just go out in a normal pair of, of sort of gloves he got from the club? Because when he was looking for a cross from the like right, he got his... out the opera glasses. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when he took them, put, put 20p in and took them off the front. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yes. it was one of the oddest things I've ever seen. I don't want to bring that up. Well, it's but, good. But, I mean, it would be great if somebody went out, if you had the kind... I mean, most professional footballers could go out, couldn't they? I imagine Emerson could go and buy Darth Vader's gloves for 250 grand and then wear them for a match. <laughs> he could. It'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. you, you would suddenly become incredibly rough, <laughs> two-foot-in players and chucking the elbow in. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Anyway, I don't know if that particularly leads us anywhere. Probably not. But Andy wants to put this show on, so uh, <laughs> let's see Let's see where... Uh, um, I'm not expecting anybody to turn up, where to that, be honest. Where that takes us, Good yeah. crowd, though, for Alan. Yeah, well, good, yeah, well, there mm. would be, wouldn't there? You know, 30-odd years in a soap, I imagine it... Uh, uh, Mike Parry once said on this station that he longs for the day when <clears throat> an athlete can run 100 metres in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you would think, well, it'd have to be some kind of robot to do oh, that. yes. But did you see a robot mm. that set a record for two-legged gadgets running 100 metres? And I thought, well, that's going to be quicker than Usain Bolt. 24.73 seconds. Very slow, really. Yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> slow, isn't it? Really. I, you know, I thought robotics had come on a lot further than that. <laughs> That's yeah, a terrible time. Really nice. Okay, pull your yeah, finger out, mate. Really. You'd be shouting at it. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to discuss? Uh, possibly. Let's have a look. Um, I see Diego Costa has really made. He's probably mm. going to make his debut for yeah. Wolves tomorrow. He'll probably make his full debut at Chelsea next Saturday, which would be quite a thing. Yeah. Uh, but he still doesn't speak any English, even after playing here for three <laughs> seasons. Yeah. None at all. None at all. You think? 
Really, it's amazing that, isn't it? You think if you lived in the country for three years, you'd pick something. By osmosis. He probably does. Yeah. I mean, it, it, often it's a confidence thing, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Was that the thing about Roman Abramovich, who apparently spoke perfect English, but by pretending mm. he couldn't, that's never true. actually did any. Uh, Somebody uh, wrote a strange letter today to the Sun. I mm. mean, no, I suppose that's how people look at it. But yeah. it, it, it's talking about possible uh, pre peace process mm. between Ukraine and Russia. He said, Russian ex-Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich must want to redeem himself. Perhaps he can lend a hand. And you think, I don't suppose he sees it that way, well, really. He just, hasn't he just been involved in the, he in was, the freeing yeah, of those yeah, prisoners? Know, you know, he was yeah. quite front and centre of that. Anyway, yeah. uh, not many uh, club one, chairmen. I mean, no, you, I, it's just hard to believe that club chairmen have been in that situation, you know, the sort of go-between in a uh, freeing hostel. I mean, Doug Ellis did a great <laughs> deal of that, that didn't he? Did, really. I wouldn't imagine he got involved in that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yes, it's Viking Saints uh, this weekend. The NFL are back in town and uh, you'll hear that game live on TalkSport 2 from 2pm uh, on Sunday. And uh, also in town for the game more is uh, the NFL's Chief Medical Officer, Dr Alan Seals. He joins us now. Alan, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks Good for having me here. You. I think this may be the first question. Is how do you become the mm. NFL chief medical officer? What was your route into the role? <laughs> well, I'm a neurosurgeon by training, and so I had taken care of athletes for many years at all levels of sports, starting in community and youth level and progressing through university. I'd worked in professional basketball and hockey. Also, I'd done a lot of research into sports concussion. That was my area of academic interest. So uh, when the NFL approached me for this role back in 2017, I was very intrigued by it and, and certainly eager to see if we could use the resources and the research of the NFL to help improve care for athletes at all sports and all levels. Yeah. I mean, it's a hot topic across all sports. I mean, I know especially in the NFL with its history, but certainly in all sports, and that's true of, of football, soccer over here. And you've been working with the, with the Premier League, haven't you? We have been communicating back and forth. I, I often say that I think one of the silver linings or good things that happened during the COVID pandemic is that we all communicated much more regularly and deeply as leagues around the world. Mm. And I think that's continued. So we do have a planned meeting uh, on Monday and Tuesday of this week with the Premier League. We'll share a lot of what we're doing and what we're finding in our research and our protocols and data, and they'll do the same. And I think these types of exchanges are really, really important for all of us around the world in sports so that we can learn from each other and, and advance safety you know, faster than any of us could do on our own. Sure. After a lot of adverse publicity and movies about this whole concussion thing in the NFL, the league have tried, haven't they? The rules are much stricter now on late hits, roughing the passer, unnecessary roughness. You see it get penalised much more than you used to. Yeah, we've made a lot of changes over the past few years. I started with the league in 2017. That was our highest number of concussions that we had ever had my first year there, wow. sort of my welcome to the NFL. <laughs> um, but we put in place a strategy to try to reduce those, and it's centered around equipment. It's centered around training and teaching and style of play and then the rules. And we've seen that be successful. Um, concussions have dropped 25 to 30% per year. Uh, over that time interval. And so there's more work to be done, but I think what we do have is a commitment from everybody involved, players, coaches, staff, the league, that this is a serious injury. We want to get better. We want to continue to reduce the numbers, not only of concussions, but of head hits overall in our game. One of the biggest problems in all sports with this is the, is the competitive instinct of the, of the athlete. 
we see it in football. They don't want to come off. They, sure. don't, they don't. They just want to... They, they think they're all right, and they, they have to be protected from themselves, don't they? You do, because if you think about competitive athletes, and particularly in the culture of American football, it's about being able to play through pain or play through injury and not mm. letting your teammates down. <clears throat> so so there is a, an, an element of, of making sure that those who are more objective can participate in that decision-making. But I will say this. We've seen, again, culture change in our athletes. For example, last year... Almost 40% of our concussion evaluations had some component of self-report, meaning the athlete themselves helped to initiate that. And that's a huge change from a few years ago. And I think it speaks to the fact that our athletes recognize these are serious injuries. They want to be cared for. They want to make sure that they're taken care of and they have confidence in the protocol to do that. What about uh, uh, substitutions, replacements around concussion? That's an ongoing thing. There's been some criticism of the way that the Premier League are, are doing that uh, at the moment. I mean, what's your take on concussion substitutions? Well, I'm not as familiar with all of the rules and regulations of the Premier League, so I wouldn't, wouldn't be one to speak on that. But I think what we've seen in our game in the NFL is um, the athlete who's removed and suspected of having a concussion, they're turned over to the medical staff. And the coaching staff or anyone else is not involved in any way. And, and that, again, has been a very positive change. And so the coaching staff says we give the player to the medical staff. When they finish their evaluation, um, they'll, they'll tell us the athlete's cleared if they're cleared or they'll tell us they're out if they're out. And so there's no interference or, and there's no game consideration of that. And we always tell our personnel, our medical staff, take the time you need to get a good diagnosis. If it takes a few minutes, that's fine. If it takes longer than that, that's also fine because we want the right diagnosis more than we want a fast diagnosis. Is this the sort of medical tent they refer to a lot in the commentary? saying he's been taken there and they've got no choice in this have they that's right it's mandatory that when someone feels a player may have been injured they have to go and get an evaluation and by the way the person who can start that as i said can be the player themselves it can be the club doctor it can be the it's independent never the coach, doctor is it, let's be honest. it no. is a coach is it? it is a coach well, we have had instances really? in, in last year where you coaches think not do you that that is part of this culture change coaches have come and said we don't think this player is behaving normally please check him out and so Again, I look at that as a very positive sign of the culture change, but they do go into the blue tent on the sideline. We use that for a couple of reasons. One, it's more private. But secondly, to do a good concussion evaluation, you really need concentration and, mm -hmm. and visual attention. And the stadium is a very distracting place. Sure. Inside the tent, it's much mm -hmm. calmer. There, there's also been a suggestion, Alan, that really the, the ultimate arbiter or whether a player can go back on the field to play after a concussion protocol should be an independent doctor, not, not club doctors, because there is a feeling that they also do have skin in the game and they're under a bit of pressure from the coaches. I mean, what's your take on that? How does it work in the NFL? In the NFL, we use both. So we have both a club doctor and an unaffiliated or objective doctor. And I think having both makes a lot of sense for this reason. Sometimes in a concussion, the only symptom that the player will display is a personality change. So if I've never seen the athlete before, if I'm the objective, you know, unaffiliated doctor, I would never recognize that. The club doctor who's around the player regularly might say, you know, this player is answering all the questions and performing all the tests, but I just get the feeling that they're not themselves. Mm. That's an important observation. Then you combine that with the objective or the unaffiliated doctor who doesn't know the athlete and can look at the data very objectively and with, with, with medical eyes. I think putting those two opinions together gives us the best uh, overall evaluation. Now, we have, we have had an incident mm. overnight, which I'm sure you're very aware of, the young NFL quarterback, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, of the Dolphins, who uh, went straight to hospital. Um, he needed lengthy treatment on the field after a heavy tackle. He was back playing after an incident at the weekend, uh, which when he was assessed, there was a feeling that he was suffering back uh, injuries and wasn't concussed, so was allowed to play 
last night. So, I mean, what is your take on that? Because the, the scenes were quite worrying, weren't they, when you saw saw him at the end of the uh, – when he left the field yesterday? Sure. Well, first and foremost, our concern is for the athlete involved. Uh, I am happy to report he was taken to hospital, but he was released after all his tests were normal. He was able to travel back with the club, so that's the best news. But, as you mentioned, we are doing a very um, detailed review of that entire process – one of the things that we do with the league and our players' unions is together we go back and review the decision-making uh, the previous Sunday. Was our protocol followed? Were all the decisions made appropriately? And we are very actively engaged in that review right now. We also have a committee of brain trauma experts who constantly look at our protocol and make sure that the protocol is as up-to-date as it can be. And I always say that any incident like this gives us the opportunity to go back and evaluate that protocol. Make no mistake, we want to be the best in the world at recognizing, diagnosing, and treating these injuries, mm. period. That's our goal. And so anything we can do to improve on that, we will do. And, and this episode will, will illustrate that. As I said, we're very actively reviewing it, and we will have it reviewed comprehensively and, and see what we can learn and take forward. Because, on Sunday, I was mm. watching the game when he got injured. It was a very exciting game, actually. But he, he does appear to hit his head. And as he goes off, he, he, he does stumble as if he's concussed, and yet... The report was, I mean, I can't deny that because I wasn't there and I'm not a doctor, but the reports were that it was just a back and neck injury. It it looked like a head injury. I mean, from a, from a distance, doctor, mm. I suppose people would say, shouldn't really the, the game be, the, the doctors, the Dolphins doctors, be er erring on the side of caution? If there is any doubt, keep the guy out of the game. Sure. I think our doctors do err on the side of caution. One thing to point out is, again, he was examined during that time, not only by the team doctor, but by this independent doctor. And both of them together did a very thorough examination, what's called the SCAT, or Sport Concussion Assessment Tool Exam. They review the video. They review all the data. So, again, we're still conducting a review of everyone involved in that. We'll speak to the trainer, to the to the club doctor, to the independent doctor, to the spotters in the booth. We'll speak to everyone. But but I can tell you already that, that those decisions are never made by the club doctor only they're certainly not made by the player the independent doctor has to participate in that decision making and so um, as you mentioned those of us that are watching on television can can get one set of opinions those are the people actually yeah, seeing the patient it's just a view exactly and, and players uh, are players becoming you said that coaches are becoming uh, more attuned to what's going on and taking players out again suggesting they don't come back out what about the attitudes of players because you said there is this machismo of going back out there and, and you know manning up as they'd say and keep playing the game but um I mean, there have been players who've left the sport. Guys in the NFL have decided they don't want to take that risk. Sure. I think players are much more aware of these issues these days. Uh, it, I often say that the current players have sort of grown up with the protocol. And sure. what I mean by that is ever since they were youth, they've had a concussion protocol. Mm. We've been emphasizing these injuries. And so as they've progressed through the different levels of sport, they're very familiar with this and they understand it and they know it's for their protection. So... I do think there's always more work to be done, but I think we have seen a big change in the culture evidenced by, as I mentioned before, almost half of our concussion evaluations having some component of players initiating them. The coaches initiating it, as we mentioned, our game officials will sometimes bring players off. So I think everybody's aware of this. They're paying attention to it and, and they want to get it right. It's interesting because the NFL is a well-resourced league. So is the Premier League. But we worry here that, you know, below the Premier League and especially at a lower level, you know, are these things as... Strict, Policed, policed strictly. as well. Yeah, know. that's the concern. In the college game, I presume there's a lot of money in college football, but yeah. presumably 
Yeah. They're looking after. But their the kind of recreational level yeah. in things like soccer, and I'm sure in, in guys just playing American football themselves, that that's a concern, isn't it? It, it is, and it's a particular concern of mine because I'm still a practicing doctor, so I see patients from the community, mm. I see youth, and 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 I want to make sure that what we're learning and doing can be translated. Obviously, they're not going to have equal resources to us, but still, that idea of recognizing a concussion. Being cautious, pulling someone out, making sure they have the best equipment, that they're trained properly. Those, to me, are unifying principles across all level of sport, and that's why we spend a lot of time trying to discuss these issues and educate around them. Um, two very quick questions. One on on uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and a couple of the guys have come in, have been playing there uh, over the last year or so, saying it's an amazing setup. I mean, it's, it's geared really for NFL in the way that obviously Wembley isn't where they're making the best of it, but the, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium has been set up for the NFL. And are you finding that from sort of a medical point of view as well with the facilities? Absolutely. It's a fantastic facility. We have great medical support here, great medical partners, and I feel very confident that we're providing uh, world-class care for our teams while they're here. And finally, um, heading footballs is obviously an incredibly hot topic. It's not mm. something that has to worry you in the NFL, but there's been a lot of research. And, and in the States, we're seeing uh, people wearing sort of head guards. I mean, mm-hmm. what is your take on that as a, as a neurosurgeon? Yeah, I'm not as familiar with all of the, the um, ins and outs of the, the policies on that. But again, as a neurosurgeon, I would always say brain trauma is not good for the brain. And, and we want to do all we can to reduce avoidable head contact, whatever the sport is. All sports, whether it's um, you know, football, rugby, lacrosse, uh, you know, wrestling, all of these sports have some degree of head contact. I think it's incumbent on all of us to look for where can we reduce that and, and make it as rare as possible and then make sure that we make the safest possible environment. Yeah, there well, are I'll, two types in soccer. Yeah. You've got the, the, the worst one is the continual heading the ball over yeah, a period of time. Over a period years. of time, yeah. Mm. It was a bit like, mm. uh, the, 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 you know, the brain trauma in, in, uh, in, uh, in the NFL. Constant brain trauma over the years. But uh, Dr. Alan Seals, lovely to see you. Thank you very much for coming in. I hope it's an incident-free game at, <laughs> I, at the weekend and you're I, not called upon. I, I hope that as well. Thanks you for having just me. Just enjoy <laughs> the game. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Oh, well, the long tour. People seem very keen on this. You went and saw Dr. Carl last night on the road. Yeah. Ben, the Spurs fan from Fairham, also went along and bought the mug and the calendar, as you did. Oh, well done. And it got Andy thinking about the, that we should go on the road. Um, and um, what's in Andy's bag would be a highlight of the evening said Richie <laughs> yeah I think it probably would be yeah. uh, what's the point t-shirt says Wayne Booth he's good, prepared yeah. to buy one of those <laughs> a freeze frame shot of Andy strutting down Copacabana Beach with his Southern Comfort uh, <laughs> when we did the remake of the ad poster. that would be a poster Ben in Long Stratton <laughs> see, okay a bit in. good ideas um, yes, the uh, the merch wouldn't make any money on an H and J road show. It'd all be marked up at one seventy five. It's very true. Everything at one seventy, like the pound shop. Um, yeah, what's the point? T shirts. Nick the poster. He thinks is definitely a winner. Um, what else have we got? A Sir Johnny Weaver T shirt. Well, somebody made one of those for Charlie. He wears it proudly now and again. It is very good. Um, and uh, you wouldn't expect June Whitfield to do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's, one, that's one for the, uh, the long term. Yeah, and of course, Steve Backley was there with some of the <laughs> just two of the catchphrases we've tried to get away, but they never really got any traction. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul Hawksby, uh, Andy Jacobs here on Talksport. Andy, have you noticed anything? I have, yes. Uh, the entertaining uh, Sun columnist Rod Little says that he won't bother to watch England in the World Cup or he can't be bothered. Okay. I've cut it out and kept it just in case England get to the final. <laughs> Oh, okay. 
Well, if you'll know... It's, I'll be banning some, him. I'll be I mean, making sure he doesn't watch England it. England World Cup are normally column fodder, which means it's, um, at some point he'll it, say, well, I said I wouldn't watch games, but I had no choice. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, win or lose, I would imagine. Harry and Meghan have been relegated, apparently. Oh, what? Not National League. <laughs> they are. No, they're, they're now bottom of the Royal List. Is there a Royal League table? Apparently there is a Royal League table, yeah. And you get demoted and another Royal yeah, they've comes they've been demoted, up. yeah, I think so. So yeah. they go down and a couple of Lindleys come up. I think they have, after a very good season. So, <laughs> so that's what they do. Do they have a playoff? <laughs> no, I don't know if it's a playoff. The Lindleys and the um, on, officially Princess Michael of Kent, they have a playoff, do they? No, she went out in the third round. Oh, okay, fair enough. Now there's no replays. Okay. Um, Real minor roles, like giant killers, people who claim to be descendants. I mean, it, how far down can you go? Can, like, Josh Widdicombe, can he get on? Is well, that like the very early stages of the cup? I've that would be interesting, is, wouldn't it? The website ranks the senior working family first, and then the, the minor working uh, members, such as the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester and Duke of Kent, well, somebody's got to go to the tennis. Yeah. Uh, beneath them all are the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, who only sit above, the only person at the bottom of the table, of course, is uh, Duke of York. Wow. It's not surprising, really. Very poor season for him. I'd see him climbing up. Danny Dyer, maybe suddenly climbing up the list, finding himself <laughs> finding himself solidly in mid-table. Po- very possible. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Did you see one of the local radio hosts who grilled Liz Truss? There's a bloke called Graham Liver. Oh, okay. He's a mate of Keith Onions and Kevin Bacon. I don't know. Well, I mean, if nothing else comes out of the <laughs> yeah, fine job he did skewering the Prime Minister oh, yesterday, yes. then uh, then at least he's uh, had his name uh, toyed with on TalkSport. <laughs> well, no, as Martin Kellner said, he was a big fan of local radio. It was a yeah. triumph for local radio. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. There we are. Congratulations. Britons are fatter than people in any other countries mm. and do less sport. Well done, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't you be at work? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Terrific news. Um, anything else? Oh, well, you're, you're, you're pushing me I now. I am pushing you, yeah. What have we got here? Also, have you seen the, Kevin Bacon, mm. the fine actor? Uh, you've probably seen him more recently. You probably well, know him. He's fine working yeah. uh, in adverts. Yes. You just mentioned him, didn't I you? I did, yeah. Onions, liver and bacon. Oh, OK, all right. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I just <laughs> I didn't tuned out then. Um, <laughs> no change there. Um, what are we going to do on stage if you tune out? <laughs> I'll just be doing that all the time. I'll listen, I'll do, I'll listen to a podcast you while you're checking doing... the middle of the show how the merchandising's going yeah. with John. John's table, yeah, his pasting table out the front. Uh, he, when he goes to weddings, he asks the DJ not to play Footloose. Who? Uh, Kevin, what do you mean who? <laughs> Sorry. The, we, do a memory mean ma- we do a memory man act. <laughs> We're definitely... Kevin Bacon, who I mentioned about 30 seconds ago. Would, well, who I mentioned else would him before. Then? Who else would? I mean, yes, it's a film he made. He's now 64. Is the he? last he thing he looks The 64. last thing he wants. If that must, it must be tempting now. I think Kevin Bacon's at this wedding. Let's stick Footloose on. I'm sure he can remember all the steps. <laughs> even though he's now six, he can put his back out, couldn't he? Well, he could do. You can't blame him. It's a lot to ask. It must be. If you're known for an iconic dance routine, mm. I mean, you know, if you're John Travolta and you're at a wedding, and if, yeah. let's, let's play a bit of. Tony seven, Adams is unlikely to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest at this stage. Yes, quite, quite possible. But Ray Parler made the point on breakfast this morning. There's yeah. no way Tony's going out because the Arsenal, especially if Arsenal win tomorrow, they're all going to be in a great mood. Oh yeah, they'll all be voting. They're going to vote on mass. He might win it. Oh, they might, it might I'm be. A, I'm a, mm, it I don't know about that. It's Tony McToneface. It might be one of those situations <laughs> where he keeps winning. No. Normally, I mean, like John Sargent, he went a long way, but there's a there's a point where he, normally Blackpool if they go out. 
Really? I think no, he lasted, but didn't he get down to about he, the last eight or something? Did he, did he go beyond Blackpool? Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. want to do him a Is disservice. Blackpool some kind of marker? <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? Well, oh, it is for I me. I'm so pleased I made Blackpool. Well, okay, well, fair Did enough. you see, finally, a woman in South Africa oh, yeah. has set a world record for eating the most meat, 4.2 ounces from chicken feet in a minute. Sounds a bit paltry to me, 4.2 ounces. Oh, God, well, Andy, that's testing. Have you been hanging out with a moose? I thought I'd say that one. I was hoping yeah. not to do that one, but we had a minute to You're going to put that in the live show, eh? I wouldn't open with it. Close with it, or indeed put it in the middle. I won't I won't be putting it in at all. The producer's shouting something in my ear. What was it? Okay, okay. went to week 10, John Sargent. He's doing ongoing strictly. Oh, well, well done. Stri- that's post, I think that's post Blackpool, isn't it, John? I mean, don't anybody really cares. <laughs> Who cares? Um, so we're going to um, look at, for the false panel, change of game. We're going to bring you the other uh, talk sport commentary tomorrow Palace versus Chelsea. We will be discussing the uh, Manchester derby with Stuart Robson, a former uh, Arsenal West Ham midfielder. He's going to be joining us in a moment. And uh, Leicester Forest this weekend, mm. not the service not station. The service obviously. station, obviously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a big game Monday night. We'll be looking at that. Steve in Cooper under pressure, according to the paper. Oh, come this on, yeah, well, you know, can he be? I told you, I told you this when he came up. I told you the situation. I said to you, I guarantee that the don't results think... don't go well. Even though he's a brilliant coach and did a brilliant job, he'll be in trouble. Now, I think that's ludicrous. You've got to give the guy longer well, than you should that. Do, he's got a load of players to football. bed in. He's been there for ten minutes. Really, that is that's madness. Um, anyway, uh, Wilbur, he, he, he didn't, didn't make, make it. Oh, he didn't make, forget, didn't make it to Blackpool. I, I just, do. He didn't make it to Blackpool. He says in my ear. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. So, Martin, uh, good afternoon. Yes. You've been watching a lot of sport. Oh, loads. The football on Channel 4, they're still without a win, aren't they? Who channel channel four? four. Yes. Still without a win. I said they're a bock. I'm glad they haven't got the World Cup. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the thing—it doesn't seem right on Channel Four. You know, really? it's no, not at all. Because you're waiting for the Southgate interview, not particularly after the Germany match, but definitely after the Italy match. Mm. You don't get it. You get goggle box instead. Yeah. So you got to make a cup of tea, come back, and it's um, you know somebody talking about you know yeah. some reality show they've seen. So I don't like it on Channel. I also don't. I tell you what really annoys me. <laughs> okay. And that is uh, bank ads. 
because they all, you know, when you're advertising a bank, um, the slogan always means nothing, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a people thing. Yeah, explain to me how exactly is it a people thing? You know, nonsense. Or we are what we do. Mm. And that West did that for a while. Yeah. We are yeah. what we do. What does that mean? So, yeah. yeah. We say you're that a, here. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. we are. It's a, absolutely. We are what we do. You know, if you're a bank robber, you are what you do. And, Everybody is. Uh, Let's be honest. And they do it on Channel 4 because it's sponsored by uh, Nationwide and mm. it says the nation on the, on the uh, little bumper that you get it yeah. says the beautiful game mm. it deserves mutual respect what does that mean? That means absolutely nothing. It deserves me to... Nationwide sponsors coverage of England football on Channel yeah, 4. I mean, right. it's great they're sponsoring it, but, I mean, to be honest, it does annoy me. What I did enjoy... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah what I did enjoy... Get off about, your chest, Martin. Yeah, thank you. What I did enjoy about the... I've got a T-shirt. That's really nice. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, what I did enjoy about the Channel 4 coverage was uh, Jill Scott, yeah. who, I mean... We know that the We've gone there for a good feed, basically, hadn't she? she Precisely. Was she'd, had, she'd got stuck hot, in, yeah. She, she turned hot dogs, chicken. Yeah. She, she said it was yeah. great. It was hot dogs, chicken, and got to meet some of the stars of Ted Lasso. Not Jason Sudeikis, I don't think. He wasn't there. He's been going, no, he's been no. over there, obviously filming, so he's been going to a lot of games. Yeah. He's been he's been at Tottenham, he's been at Arsenal, he's been yeah. rocking up to matches, I think. Oh, so. well, maybe he was there. Yeah, no, well, they, could, well, they didn't name him. They just said the stars, so I assume they meant Lloyd Griffiths, but um, <laughs> who <laughs> Well, he's very much a star of that show. Yes, he is yeah. very much so. Yeah. Um, and I watched the um, the you know in Channel Four. You're never far away from some sort of um, quiz type show. Mm. Um, and they did Celebrity. I literally just told you. Which yeah, is Jimmy, Jimmy Carr Car, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Harry Redknapp, Gabby Logan, and uh, Sue Smith. They uh, and they had some celebs in the audience there. Mm. Lizzie Cundy, that must have been a difficult booking. But I noticed uh, <laughs> they, they have people that, that, we, that we are familiar with yeah. in this building really? there. But it is, you know, it, I tell you, they make a great virtue of the fact that it's live. Mm. And um, I mean, you two will know what li how difficult live TV well, is. is. Yeah. And trip you up. Jimmy Carr did a fabulous job. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Jimmy Carr in the world, but he did do a fantastic job on that show. Show. You know, because Harry Redknapp was there. Harry Redknapp clearly had no idea how it worked, <laughs> and he really didn't care um, because they—they, they, you know, the uh, format they tell yes, you, yeah. yeah. So they basically give you the answers as they chat to you, and then they yeah. ask you questions. Um, on what yeah. they've just said. That's what, on what said. they've just said, yes, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it would catch me out, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, the cricket, very much enjoy. I mean, it's a fantastic series. It is a very good series, series. yeah. Brilliant. Um, and it's enlivened for me by the fact they do live... Well, two things. First of all, David Gower. Love hearing David Gower commentating. And yeah. he, he was quoting from uh, Molesworth the other day. I mean, that is such a... <laughs> it's rather like, you know, we talk about George Formby here. Oh, yes. Um, Molesworth is such an old person's reference. But isn't yeah. that... Yeah. I, had the same note, no. I had the same note, Martin, about David Garren. It's such a classic thing that broadcasters are doing at the moment. It's not just in sports records. You know, they dumped him on Sky, didn't they, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. because they basically. thought he was too old. I mean, yeah. he still sounds young. He still sounds great. Fresh, he right? sounds yeah. good. Um, and I assume he's there because he's hired by the host broadcaster, so it's nothing mm. to mm. do with Sky. But I do enjoy the live ads. They do live ads... And, you know, so because we're getting the host oh, yeah. feed. Yeah. Um, the one for Sensodyne, it's fantastic. Sensodyne, yeah. <laughs> like they, the commentators have to come on and say, life's 
Too short for sensitive teeth. Which again well, doesn't mean a lot. But yeah, no, no, that's Life's too short, Life's too for, short sensitive for sensitive teeth. teeth. Yep. And they've got yeah. a big washing machine <laughs> at the uh, on one of the boundaries. Mm, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. for the Dorland's Power Wash Challenge. Oh, I love um, that. Uh, with Dorland's apparently you get steam care nice. with the door, and it is one <laughs> in Pakistan. You'd be familiar. It's a bit like Rumbelows in Pakistan. Oh, right, it's, okay, big. Okay. it's big. Yeah, that's one for the kids. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't, believe you, this I can't believe you weren't watching India against Australia on Utsav Gold 896. I missed that, but <laughs> well, I'll no. make a note Go of that. Go and check definitely. it out. And we're nearly out of time. But oh, what, a shame, because I, I really want to plug this. It's a great, it's a yeah, really good we had programme. The, we had the, uh, the the guys who've made it Steve in Jones. the studio. Yeah, this, this yeah. is Tosh, isn't it? A documentary about John Tosh. It's brilliant. It's, it's really, really, really good. Swansea. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's entire, it doesn't cover any of the no. Liverpool years, the Real Madrid, none of that. Mm. It's basically the, the Swansea miracle, you yeah. know, because they're on the brink of uh, re-election. Uh, Division 4, as it was in those days. Um, what I like about it is the fact mm. that he strikes me, John Toshak, as almost like a Clint Eastwood figure, yeah. in that when Clint Eastwood was working with Don Siegel on films like Dirty Harry and mm. Coogan's Bluff, he's watching his every move. And then when he made his first film, Play Misty for Me, um, Don Siegel actually appeared in the film and sort of mentored him. And, you know, as we so know... So you think this is, the, is this a Shankly thing, you think? Totally a Shankly yeah. thing. Because mm. when they played that match at Preston, mm. which got them promotion from Division 2 to Division one, um, Shankly did a team talk. Tang Shankly actually, I never knew this before, but Shankly actually went into the dressing room and uh, talked the Liverpool players through, you know, gave them a team talk, basically. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and they, you know, they give him full credit for that. But it's just the way that Toshak, uh, it's this mentor, mentee, or whatever it is, hmm. uh, relationship. The fact that Toshak was watching Shankly every bit of with the With an way, eye to becoming a manager. With an eye, well, clearly, even yeah. when he had an eye or he didn't have an eye, you know, he picked so much up either yeah. by osmosis or, or it's just by watching him yeah. and studying him. And you realise that all that stuff that Pep Guardiola and uh, Jurgen Klopp are doing now, you know, about the team ethic, all that team yeah. ethic stuff, Shankly started that. You know, when you look at uh, Shankly, because there's a lot of archive interview with Shankly that he did at Liverpool in mm. the 60s and early 70s. And when you look at that, he's saying largely what, People yeah. like Bielsa and Jurgen Klopp and all those people. So sure. really revolutionary. And I think, mm. you know, you, when you look at who are the greatest managers of all time, I, I would say Shankly. Uh, and it wouldn't have been necessarily something I would have said before, but definitely Shankly was... The, you know, right there at the top. Wow. Without, without Martin, I've modelled my whole broadcasting career on Play Misty for me, Dave Garber. <laughs> Have you really? That's a great tune. Yeah, I know, because he, he, he wasn't a great presenter, really. Well, <laughs> there we are. That's it. <laughs> Don't need to carry voice, on. A great voice, um, you know, that husky voice. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Time then to turn to um, the non-sporting telly this weekend with Mike Ward. Good afternoon, Mike. Afternoon, guys. Uh, we'll start with Brighton. Um, yeah. into, uh, it's it's going to mm. be interesting, isn't it? Uh, the new man. We were talking to Stuart Robson earlier on. Yeah, he does favour yeah, for. He's, he's a big fan. He is a big fan. So he, he was very very good in Italy, Stuart. He said um, he, uh, he favours a four at the back. Says so he's interested to know whether he changes the system or yeah. sticks with Graham Potter's. It's a very and also the first game under a new manager for all sorts of reasons is always it's, it's, a, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because mm. you, you know it could be brilliant. Uh, and if it's disastrous, well, you know, well, it's just teething troubles. We'll we'll jail. And if it's uh, if it's brilliant, 
don't get carried away. Level-headedness, I think, whatever the result is, yeah. is, is the it's best way to It's early days. It's not, it's not going to be deserve out, is it really? Hashtag. I do hope not. I mean, give the guy a chance. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I have, a good, I have a good feeling. Everything I've heard about, and as, as I said last week, I don't, don't know much about it, but everything I've heard is very positive. It's so a baptism of fire at Anfield. Though, well, yeah. No, it yes. certainly is. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, tonight on Netflix, uh, Inside the World's Toughest Prison. On the basis it's season six, that would suggest that practically every prison is quite tough, isn't it? I mean, we work on that basis, don't we? <laughs> there's quite a lot, yeah. Season six. Well, inside no... the World's Softest Prison. <laughs> yes. Well, funny, funny you should say that, actually, because mm. um, this is, as you say, season six of this Netflix ser- uh, series. I think the first one was on Channel 5. Raphael Rowe, the guy who, who's presented five of these series and is still presenting it now, served 12 years behind bars for a murder he didn't commit. Uh, so you'd think he, the last place he'd ever want to go is back into prison. But he does this thing where he goes to these places all over. He's never done one in Britain, mm. all over all over the world, these places, these maximum security places, to see what life is like, to see what the regime's like and how the prisoners are treated, etc., etc. Uh, one of the prisons he, he, he visits in this new thing, which is on, on Netflix now, he goes to one in Moldova, which is, is the, the, the typical sort of hellhole. You know, they're locked up for 22 hours a day, etc. Then he goes to one in Cyprus where they've got like bingo nights and a, 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 a sort of nice ornamental fountain uh, p- shaped like a piano wow. in the courtyard playing twink, you know, twinkly music. And they, there's a wedding. They're mixed. With the, the male and female inmates get to mix, and it's and and, and and some of the inmates actually chant the prison governor's name. They sort of like almost lifting her on their shoulders and carrying her off. Mommy, don't um, tell Talk TV. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it's so Mike Graham going two-footed on that prison. Oh, can you can imagine you'd really? love that, definitely. Get <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> him married. Fountains. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'd listen. Him that, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be lovely to think there was like in that, you see that hellhole of a prison in Moldova there, so yeah. a kind of Moldovan Mr. Barraclough. Yes, now, yes. now, everybody, let's all just go back to ourselves and calm down. It'd be great, wouldn't it, in a porridge? It's unlikely, yeah. I would think, really. Uh, Paramount Plus, Rise of the Billionaires. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. a, a documentary Is that this series. week? Um, we, yeah, <laughs> yes, quite, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, we think it's about... This is about... Some hedge fund managers from this week. Yeah. yeah. God, don't... Uh, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the people mm. behind sort of, Amazon, Facebook, etc., etc., <clears throat> and looking at how these people and the organisations they founded have come mm. to be like, they're just part of our lives. Whether you approve of everything they do or the way they operate is, is almost irrelevant because you kind of, you know, an awful lot of us couldn't actually do our day-to-day jobs or, or, or get by without them. And they're just massively you know, wealthy uh, to the point where when I was writing this thing for the paper, I I had to keep checking every day because their wealth levels, the combined wealth, one day it was six hundred and forty billion for, between the five of them, covered in the series, and the next day it was like six hundred thirty or something. Or they said, oh, just the odd ten billion. Uh, and the interesting thing about it is that they've become very powerful, possibly not by design, but that's how the world is these days. And it's also a look at you know remembering that that that. that because of the way they they influence us, they're almost more powerful than governments sometimes. And we talk about politicians; and they, we give politicians a hard time. Yeah. But they don't earn very much. But you know, the prime minister earns an awful lot of money, one hundred sixty-four thousand pounds. But you know, that's a lot of money. But it's peanuts compared to the sort of money these people are worth, and uh, uh, they don't have to stand for election. It's great they formed a consortium to buy Brighton. 
Yeah, what about that? They all get together, the Bezos, us, Musk, Axis. You're just feeling bad about waving your checkbook at us, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Strictly, of course. Not my checkbook. Um, I know it's not. (laughs) uh, They they start going out this week? Yeah, Yeah. well, it's it's the Tony Adams show of of last week's anything to go by. I'll tell you, we think he's in the sergeant envelope. The Arsenal fans will get behind him. He'll be there. Yeah, he should go, really, but he probably won't. Yes, he's so Mm. spectacularly Mm. terrible. Uh, You know, one of the things about this programs they always sort of improve as the week it's all about sort of mm. learning and getting you know there's not much he's, he's not going to get much better is he you can't see an awful lot of improvement uh coming along and he's he i can't remember anything mm. anyone any sporting person who's sort of quite as wooden you know because a lot of the sports people on the over the years yeah. cricketers in particular Nimble. have been pretty yeah. good joe, joe calzaghi wasn't very good i seem to remember he was you know um but yeah, uh, but as you say, quite rightly, I think he'll be there. <laughs> he'll be there in the he final. starts at six thirty, and then you have the news. Then you have match of the day. I think, don't you? It's quite yeah. a long show. Isn't oh it? yeah, it's, still, it's still going on. It's a lot too much. Even my wife, even my well, even my wife who loves Strictly is saying, mm. yeah, "Are we right. fed up with this now?" Yeah, and she said that. <laughs> you know, so uh, I don't know. Nine thirty, BBC Two. Yeah. Uh, later with Jules Holland featuring self esteem, and I'd like. To think by now she's written a song about what it's like to lose to Charlie Baker in Richard <laughs> in uh, Richard Osman's House of Games. Yeah. Uh, she, she might have a new song on that subject. I don't there know. You go. Yes. So it's the, it's the start of the sixty um, first series, mm. and the, normally I say that as a joke, but it is, or, or you know, those one of my yeah. comedic exaggerations. But it, it, it is actually, which <laughs> is it actually loves. the sixty first series? It, it genuinely it's is great. the sixty first yeah. series. And he's, he's going to work. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wonder if they'll give it another series. He plays yeah. a bit of archive every week, and you forget how brilliant that archive is. I'm surprised yeah, they've yeah. not just done shows of the great archive. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. I mean, and, and sometimes when I, I've, I've tuned in occasionally recently, and sometimes there's been a band on that I've heard of, which is mm. even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think what I like about the show is you you find new music on it. I you do actually. Yeah. Years. I mean, if if you're as, as open-minded yeah. as I am, and, and I think we all know that's true. Who wants now, to watch the 1987 FA Cup final? Well, I won't be obviously. Coventry I mean, and Tottenham it, Hotspur. It's my birthday tomorrow, so on the basis that I could be witnessing Tottenham lose to Arsenal, the last thing I'm going to do tomorrow night is watch Coventry beat Tottenham in 1987. Uh, it could it could play out differently this time. Yeah. Um, what have we got? Just very, very quickly, time for one more. Yeah, um, Sunday night, Stanley Tucci searching for Italy is back. Um, and He must uh, have found it on a map by now. He's a ta- I wasn't he's Italian, sure about that thing with him last week. I watched the first one. Did you not like Inside? I, I thought the I premise it. of it was so daft, you know. Just it, well, it is daft, but I'm sort of, I, I don't mind that. And it's Stephen yeah, Moffat. David Tennant just wouldn't behave like that in real life. <laughs> oh, well, okay. that's it's good acting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, but that's because he's an actor. Flimsy. Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Uh, we'll do it all again on Monday. Danny Kelly will be with us for a deep dive into the Premier League weekend. It's good. Um, Andy Brassel taking us around Europe, all the regular Monday stuff, some clips of the week, Pewter. Do hope you can join us from one, if not, podcast available around four. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.